Well, hey, whether you stumbled onto my podcast or you've been a longtime listener, I'm glad you're listening. What is this podcast all about? Well, it's about people just like me, just like you, about age 60, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but you, like me, are trying to figure out how you're going to do life for this next 10, 20, 30 years. How are you going to stay healthy? What are you going to eat? Are you going to exercise? How are you going to do the things you really, really want to do in retirement? Uh, But most importantly, things that I think about go along these lines. How am I going to avoid assisted living? How am I going to maintain my independence? How am I going to enjoy life to its fullest until God says my time is done? Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, hello again and welcome to the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. I am your host, Gene Fleming. And we're recording in my hometown of Fort Payne, Alabama, sitting right here at the base of Lookout Mountain. It's been a nice, 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 hot summer here. And uh, fortunately, we're not in a drought this year. We've gotten enough rain to keep the mountain uh, from catching fire like it did back in 2016. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, it's just a weird time. It's a weird time in my life. I know it's a weird time in your life. Um, you know, now we're in, you know, what are we at, the sixth month of being in the middle of a pandemic. Whoever thought that this is the way the year 2020 would go? And, uh, you know, but here we are. Here we are. And, you know, we've gone through different evolutions here in the state of Alabama where at first we all stayed home for a couple of weeks and everybody was pretty well behaved. And then things started to loosen up a little bit, and and then everybody went crazy. And then we had a few holidays like um, Easter weekend and Mother's Day and uh, Memorial Day and the 4th of July. And then things were worse than they ever were with regard to the coronavirus. Right now we're experiencing um, a heavy caseload in our local hospitals. Uh, A lot of people have gotten really sick. Some have recovered, and unfortunately, some of the people that are very close to me have died here in just these last few weeks. And, you know, I hesitated to even bring this up on the podcast, but uh, earlier today I had a friend that asked me, said, uh, hey, where's the podcast, man? Well, you know, and, and I'm, I'm transparent with people. I have no reason to uh, make anyone think that all of this is somehow easier for me than it is for them or, or, or tougher for me than it is for you. Um, but uh, because of working with the Council on Aging and my proximity to uh, hundreds of senior citizens, many of whom participated in my fitness classes, uh, I've gotten to know a lot of people here in my county. Um, and they're, they're good people. They're good old people. And many of them are good old country people. And, um, you know, they've done a really good job, by and large, of uh, keeping themselves safe during the pandemic. And um, they were eager to wear masks when the governor asked us recently to begin wearing masks statewide. And, uh, of course, now there are some people that are argumentative about that. And, you know, and they have a right to argue. Uh, but I still don't want them 
uh, breathing on me <laughs> if they're not going to wear a mask and try to protect themselves and me. This podcast is not about wearing a mask or civil liberties or any of that stuff. This this podcast is about surviving at age 60 and older and doing it well and and taking care of ourselves and and trying to manage everything from what we eat to how much exercise um, we get to how much stress we allow into our lives right down to how much sleep good quality sleep are we getting uh, every night and uh, you know for those of us that uh, that that work out on a regular basis you know I was telling a lady yesterday that was walking with me um, I was telling her I said you know exercise is always stress on the body she said stress I've got all the stress I can handle right now I said it's not that kind of stress you know and by now if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time you know that if we're lifting heavy stuff it's stress on the muscles if we're walking or climbing or, or cycling long distance it's stress on joints it's stress on muscles it's stress on bones it's a little bit of stress on the heart uh, it, you know, it's, it's, exercise is stress, but it's good stress because when we do this stressful exercise often enough, we get results. And those results are often very positive results. We become more flexible. We become more mobile. Our balance gets better. Our overall strength improves. Our hearts get stronger. Our circulation improves. Our blood sugar stabilizes. And the best prize of all is that we get the promise, well, maybe promise is a strong word, we get the hope of having many good and healthy years ahead of us, and that has the prospect of minimizing the suffering associated with aging. I don't know about you, but at age 62, I feel like I've suffered enough physically in this lifetime and I've learned my lesson well I don't want to suffer unnecessarily now I can't stop the arthritis I can't stop the occasional headache you know I you know I'm just after all I'm just human I'm a 62 year old human and but when it comes down to this next 10 15 20 years you know I don't want to get progressively weaker progressively sicker progressively on more medications, having more procedures, seeing more doctors with conditions that could have been prevented if I had gotten off my derriere and gone for some walks on a regular basis and did some fairly modest lifting. Uh, We're not talking about uh, trying out for the Olympics here. We're talking about you know, every senior ought to be able to easily pick up something that weighs 25 pounds. And I don't care if you're a senior of age 65 or a senior of 95. But this I do know, we do get weaker as we age, especially if we don't work our muscles. It's called muscle atrophy. In other words, the wasting away of muscles. So it's incumbent upon us to do something in the name of fitness three, four, five days a week that really 
kind of test us a little bit. Well, since this pandemic uh, kind of took charge of everything and changed our, our uh, way of living, uh, you know, here at my house, we've, we've changed a lot of things. And I'll tell you, you can't go into a, a room these days without finding something to sanitize with. And my wife, God bless her, <laughs> I come in the door, she barks, go wash your hands. And I do. Now, who am I to argue with her? She's a dental hygienist. She knows more about infectious disease than I will ever know. And uh, so, you know, we had to do things differently now. We used to like to go together to Walmart, and we'd probably browse that doggone store for an hour and a half. And uh, so, but now we call, we place an order with Walmart and we go and pick our groceries up because we're trying to minimize our contact with other people. And since we first started doing that, Walmart is now requiring customers to wear masks and, you know, and, and most of the people are doing it these days, uh, but there are some that uh, just think this is all a hoax. Well, I'm going to go on record as saying I've buried two people in the last couple of weeks and we've buried three in the last couple of months and we have widows and widowers and we're about to have another one uh, in our community uh, due to coronavirus and and this is real whether you believe it's a hoax or you think it's a political trick or something you know nonetheless people that we know and love and are involved with are getting sick and they're dying from it. And, um, you know, and just yesterday I read a, a very informative article and I was particularly interested in this article because I got into an argument with a doctor who is also a friend of mine, an acquaintance. This is not somebody on television or somebody that lives in another state, but he's a guy right down the street. And uh, he owns a gym, by the way. And uh, so I've gotten to know this guy and he he did a post and I said, but hey doc, uh, I'm curious as a trainer myself, um, what kind of impact is even a moderate infection with the coronavirus going to cause to the long-term health of people who seriously get a lung infection from it and have pneumonia type symptoms and um, you know and have have to go on oxygen and you know because I knew that people who get pneumonia sometimes end up with scarring in their lungs so my curiosity was okay doc uh, what's your take on this what are you reading what you know you're you're tuned into a different level than I am what are you hearing about the long-term health impacts of people that get this virus and he said there are none and he, and I'm going to quote him, I'm not, I can't say his name because <laughs> I don't want to get sued, but this is the truth. He said, uh, so far, everybody that has recovered from the virus has recovered 100% with no lingering after effects of having experienced a coronavirus infection. Then yesterday, I read this article. And uh, the article said, well, as a matter of fact, those that have survived, whether they were ventilated or not, if they just had a severe infection, they were hospitalized, they required oxygen and medications, remdesivir and other drugs, uh, steroids, 
and they recovered and they were discharged and they were sent home. Now, three months later, uh, there's evidence that some of these people had permanent heart damage and permanent liver damage and permanent lung scarring. So, you know, just because we don't die from this doesn't mean we got a pass. And by a pass, I mean that we are as good as we were the day before we got really sick with coronavirus. To, to what end am I saying this? I'm saying take care of your doggone self. Wear your mask. Don't go around strangers. Don't be tempted to go into a place where everybody's unmasked and it's close quarters, whether it's a restaurant, a bar, a church. You know, this comes down to you're taking care of yourself regardless of what everybody else chooses to do. It, and it doesn't matter how you feel in any way, religiously, politically, or any other way. This is a virus. It's a bad virus. And we know that we've just crossed 154,000 people in the United States since January that have died from this. And they're talking about, you know, us breaking 200,000 in the fall. You know, that's, that's a lot of people. And I used to post pictures of stadium sizes, uh, big stadiums, on my Facebook page. And, you know, I'd show a stadium that seated 60,000 people when 60,000 people had died because it's hard for us to picture big numbers. You know, we see a dozen eggs. Well, that's a dozen eggs. We, we, can, we can just glance at it and see that's a full dozen eggs. Um, maybe if we look at a crowd of 25 people, we can estimate, well, that's about 25 people. We look at the crowded church, we might say, it looks like we had about 150 here today. You know, but when you start talking numbers in the multiple hundreds, multiple thousands, it's hard for us to picture what that looks like. You know, I can't, you know, say sand on beaches because that's, that's way too many. And I can't say gravel in a rock pile because that's, that's, that's an ambiguous visual. But if I can show people something that they are familiar with, like a stadium that seats 60,000 people, I say, now imagine all those seats filled, and that's how many people have died so far. Well, unfortunately, the numbers have gotten so large that there are no stadiums that seat 154,000 people. So I can't put that graphic on my Facebook feed and say this is how many people we've lost so far. And, you know, so oftentimes we don't know the people or it's happening in another state. And maybe our little township or our county is rural. And, you know, it's, it's like something that's happening in outer space. It's just, it's just not happening here. And we may not know anybody that dies from it. But those people that died were mothers, fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, cousins. They were family. Uh, they, they had their synagogues and churches and, and cathedrals that they went to. And they had their family reunions and their backyard barbecues. And, and those people are really gone from all those activities now. Uh, you know, their desk is now empty where they worked. and. Uh, and their children grieve and their grandchildren grieve and um, you know having to be involved with a couple of different funerals this last couple of weeks um, 
it is really a difficult time because um, one was open casket, but you couldn't go near it. And some of the people that came to comfort the surviving spouse didn't mask up. You know, I went, I wore my mask, I paid my respects, I paid my respects to the widow, and I left. And, and then the woman that was buried today, she, uh, you know, had to have a, a closed service with just her family to uh, bury her ashes. You know, it's just not the same as it used to be where the family could perhaps be with somebody as they uh, slipped off into eternity, holding their hand, comforting them, uh, you know, you know, kind of in hospice fashion of taking care of them while they're getting their last breaths. I've, I've been in that situation so many times in my life as a chaplain, as a pastor, as, a, uh, as an aftercare specialist. And even though it's still tragic, we still lose a person, being able to be with them and being able to comfort them as the life is leaving their body is comfort to the person who's dying and it's comforting for the family at some level. And um, so times have really changed and, and, um, and, and now I'm really involved in aftercare with people who've lost their spouses. Um, fortunately, some of them uh, are willing to come out and just go for walks with us in the afternoon. And you say, well, hey, Gene, what, what, what are you doing taking a, a, a grieving person out for a walk in the country or at a city park? Well, my friend, ministry takes many forms. And sometimes a phone call is nice. Sometimes a, a sympathy card is nice. But one of the loneliest things people ever go through is when, of course, they've lost their spouse. You've been married to somebody 15, 20, 38 years, uh, you know, and suddenly the person that you married and survived and thrived and fought with and loved and, and cherished all those years is gone. Um, you know, visits are nice, phone calls are nice, cards are nice, funerals help, but my gosh, the tide of grief hits like a thunderclap. You ever been somewhere where lightning struck really close to you and it sounded more like gunfire to where you could feel the concussion from it? The grief hits that hard, except for one thing. It comes today. It comes late tonight. It comes tomorrow. It comes in the middle of your sleep and all of a sudden you're crying uncontrollably and that sympathy card you got doesn't make you feel less alone. So our aftercare program is about reaching out in person, even with the the personal protection equipment requirements and getting with people and saying, hey, 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 come walk with us. And it's a delicate walk. It's, it, 
It's, it's not out there, push, 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 fitness, fitness, fitness. No, it's not that at all. It's walk alongside somebody who is crushed. Sometimes there's words, sometimes there's not. And, you know, without revealing too much, I can tell you that of all the different types of ministry that I've been involved in in my life, this is perhaps the most unique and it's one of the most, um, it's one of the most impactful because I've heard some things and I've heard the grieving people say things and they say things like, I don't know what I would do without these walks. Yesterday was really bad. I was sitting there all day thinking, I wish I had gotten the coronavirus and not him. Hmm. Meanwhile, their yard has to be mowed. And they still got to pay bills. They got to deal with debt and bills and, and stuff and more stuff and more stuff. You know, the dog has to be walked. Now they have to walk it all the time. If the garden has to be tended, they have to, they have, all of a sudden the full load is on their shoulders. And they're not young people. They're people that are already over 60. And now the full weight of trying to go forward alone and maintain the home and maintain the yard and everything else is being borne fully by them and it is so incredibly hard. You know, sometimes even family don't know how to take care of each other um, when there's been a death in the family and people, people tend to scatter sometimes, you know. It doesn't mean that they don't care. They just don't know what to do or what to say. And so in our aftercare outreach, you know, I've, I'm kind of entrusted to know what to say and what not to say. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's kid leather gloves all the way through. Uh, they know what they've lost. They don't know how they're going to go forward. That, that's, that's the crux of the issue, the problem right there. How am I going to survive the next five months, the next three months, the next one month, the next week, the next hour? Because they are broken. And it takes time to grieve. And I told a man the other day who had lost his wife. I told him, I said, you know, this, this grief that you're feeling, this heaviness, is supposed to be in you. I would be worried about you if you were not grieving. I'd be worried. I'd be worried sick if you were laughing and carrying on and as if nothing had ever happened. That uh, we buried her yesterday and today is just a, another day and, and you're all happy and I would, I'd be really concerned about that. But this grief is, is a heaviness that you can't cut through. It, 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 it lingers. It's like, it's like having 
a really, really, really heavy blanket on top of you and not being able to crawl out from under it. It's so heavy. And there's spells of impromptu crying. And there's spells of just sitting and staring for a long time. And there are spells of saying, well, I'll watch the news and the news comes on TV and you have no idea what you just watched because your mind is somewhere else. So our job these days is to walk alongside people and be kind to them, to be loving toward them and to walk alongside them. If they need to cry, they can cry. They need to scream, they can scream. If they need to ponder, they can ponder. If they need to pray, they can pray. If they need somebody to pray with them, we will pray with them. But for the most part, we just walk. And there's something about this walk. Yeah, I know we talk about fitness and all, but there's something about this particular walk and the symbolism that's contained in it. We're going forward. We're walking forward. We're walking forward with a purpose. And it has a remarkable impact. You know, and, and you can't force these people to do this. But if I can get them out there the first time, they'll come back time and time again. And we're learning that to be true. So in doing a podcast, you know, I don't want to focus all on just... The coronavirus, because this is just what happened to be the cause of death, and in three of these cases, I'm thinking of. Um, but this thing of grieving is something all of us have encountered, or we will encounter in the future. We we may have encountered it when our own parents passed or maybe a spouse of our own. But if we live long enough, we will encounter it again. And one of my good friends that we do aftercare with, uh, he said the saddest thing he's ever been through in his life was the death of his daughter. He said, because your children are not supposed to die before you do. But his daughter did. And I said, well, what was the second most difficult thing you ever dealt with. He said, that was the loss of my wife after 60 some odd years of marriage. You know, here's a guy, it's been two years now, he still needs aftercare. He still needs people touching base with him, walking with him. And so I didn't think that the fitness thing was going to go in this direction and maybe coronavirus has caused this uh, to be stepped up quite a bit. But it, it takes a few hours of my time just about every day. And, you know, and then for me, you know, my job on earth right now is to stay healthy, take care of my house, take care of my family, uh, be in touch with my kids, protect my wife. And uh, so, We've had to get inventive 
with the exercise and fitness portion of life. Um, I don't go to the gym these days because we've had an outbreak in, here in our state, and and um, and I, I, to be honest with you, I just don't feel safe even if I'm wearing a mask, even if I'm using hand sanitizer. Um, the gym is just uh, is just to me a dangerous place, and. I am so on guard when I'm there that uh, I don't enjoy it. You know, I can't talk to anybody. I, every time I grab a, a set of weights or get on a machine, I'm really hyper-conscious of, okay, when was the last time this was cleaned? Uh, was the person that sat here last, did he remember to clean it when he got off of it? Did, was he infected and coming to the gym and just trying to sweat it out? I don't know. So rather than go through that emotional stress of, of being worried about catching the virus at the gym, we've taken all our exercise outside. Fortunately, we can engraft some of these recently uh, widowed and grieving people to walk with us. And we walk at different places. And uh, we walk in places that have hills and places that are very flat. and. And, uh, and we may walk a couple of miles, we may walk four miles. And uh, for my personal fitness clients who are different than these aftercare folks that I'm working with, um, you know, we're setting challenges to keep ourselves strong and, and keep our endurance high to get our cardio with challenges that are, that are really difficult. Uh, really difficult for anybody at any age, difficult for people, you know, 57, 58, 60, and older. Uh, and I said 57 or 58 because I'm thinking of uh, one particular lady, Deborah, uh, a woman I've been working with for a year and a half now. And I was worried about Deborah because I'd call to check on her and I'd say, How are things going? She said, Well, I'm kind of sad. I said, Why are you sad? She said, Because I can't go anywhere and I don't know what to do. And and, you know, after losing uh, over 140 pounds, the one thing Deborah didn't want to do was go backwards. You know, she didn't want to lose her strength. She didn't want to lose her endurance. And, and so, you know, we could still do the Fitbit thing online, but there's something to be said for the fellowship that comes to with working out with people in real life. So a couple of weekends ago, we decided to do a walking marathon. Is there such a thing? Well, there is now. And so we set the weekend up to walk 26.2 miles. We started as early as 4.45 in the morning, and we'd walk in five or six mile segments at a time, sometimes as much as nine miles. And, uh, and we did that for two days, Saturday and Sunday. And we ended up covering right at 27 and a half, or 27 and a quarter miles. That's a lot of walking in two days. It's hard. Uh, I'm not lying to you. It's really hard to, to walk five miles. It's hard to walk 10 miles. It's really, really hard to cover 27 miles in two days. But it was a challenge. So we had to kind of work up to that, and then we did it. And, you know, we could say, yay us, we walked a long way in two days, and and we were proud of ourselves. But, you know, we walked mostly on flat ground for that. And, but in the interim, we were 
constantly doing these workouts where we would climb a lot of hills because we can't get in the gym and we want to keep the leg, legs strong. Uh, these same legs that we're walking on today are the legs that are going to carry us either very well or very poorly into old age. And since we can't get in the gym and use leg machines and barbells and, and you know dynamic exercises there, well, what can we do? We can climb hills. Hill climbing is a perfectly natural human function using exactly the right muscles. And, you know, if you climb up a hill, a lot of times you got to climb down a hill. And the effect of going up and down these hills over and over. So, you know, yesterday our goal was to climb a thousand feet up. And I'm going to tell you, it's quite a challenge. Uh, I've done it several times this summer, but for her, this was a first. And in about an hour and 45 minutes, we had walked about five miles and climbed a thousand feet. A thousand feet. Fitbit calls each 10 foot increment a floor, like climbing a flight of stairs in a building. So by the time we were done, we had climbed the equivalent of a 100-story building in an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, we did take one little water break and uh, that's because we were outdoors and it was hot. It was steamy because it had rained buckets about an hour before we started walking. But uh, you know we got a good sweat, we got a good workout and we chose to take Saturday off because our legs were tired and we need to rest because we're old people. Now, we're not that old, but, you know, <laughs> we're old enough. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that exercise is always stress on the body. So a couple of times, like when we did the half marathon and then we did the hill climb yesterday, we put extra stress on our bodies. And we did it for a reason. And you may think this is silly, but, you know, we all tend to be jackasses at some point. And I say that in the animal sense of the word. And sometimes to get a jackass to move, you need to have a carrot on a stick out in front of him to entice him along. So we set goals for ourselves to do this outdoor exercise thing in a way that our fitness needs are taken care of, but also that the exercise is a fun challenge. It's kind of like a dare. You know, and so that becomes our carrot on the stick. And, you know, and so we say, okay, we're going to try this on the weekend. We're going to try and do 26.2 miles this weekend. Let's see if we can do this. And it requires a little bit of a push. You know, by Sunday evening, we were done. We had exceeded our goal. We were pleased with our effort because, quite frankly, we were both kind of surprised that we could do it. Now we know, push comes to shove, we can do that. To climb a hundred floors or a thousand feet yesterday, I knew I could do it. She didn't. Now she does. We put the carrot out there, we set the goal, meet up at a certain time, and we hit it till we quit it. And what did we prove? We proved ourselves that uh, even though we're older than most people in society, that 
we can be motivated. Did you hear that, Bruce? We can be motivated to push a little harder, go a little farther, get a little more sore from the exertion, and then take a Saturday off and recover so we can do it all again in a week or so. And that's the nature of fitness at our age. Uh, when I got ready to record tonight, I said, okay, what will the title of this podcast be? And uh, I was going with a subject like uh, taking it outside because that's what we're doing. We're walking with people outdoors for the safety factor. And we're exercising outdoors. And we're walking and we're running outdoors. It's, uh, it's the safest option right now because I can tell you where we walk, it's just us. And sometimes there's three of us and sometimes there's four of us. But uh, it's just us. And we can do the social distancing thing. We can still carry on a conversation. We can still work up a good sweat. And uh, we can get a few miles in. And you know, maybe, maybe when the year 2030 rolls around, and I'll be all 72-ish, these people will still be alive. And they'll still be healthy. And we will look back at 2020 and we'll be thankful that we didn't get the molly grubs, we didn't get overwhelmed by everything that was happening around us with masking and coronavirus and hospitals being filled up and deaths and all of that. And maybe when 2030 gets here, we'll look back and say, man, I'm sure glad we kept right on working out despite the odds, despite the sadness, despite the tragedy. Um, we stayed visionary with regard to our own health and fitness, and we're still here. That's the goal, to still be here. And hopefully, when 2030 comes around, we'll still be walking. Maybe we won't be walking as far. Maybe we won't be climbing as many hills. But maybe we'll have the option, because of fitness, to do just about everything else we want to do. And on that note, this is Gene Fleming with the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the podcast. Not everybody's into podcasts. Uh, some of my seniors would probably enjoy it, but they don't know how to use their smartphones. And listening to a podcast just seems, you know, I said, it's just like listening to a radio talk show, you know, except I don't play music. On that note, y'all have a good week and get out and do something that challenges you. Bye for now.